This is the Clean Soul Podcast, and I'm Dennis Curtis, your host. I want to give a shout out to those who have been listening to me uh, over the past few months. Thank you very much. I appreciate uh, you listening in, and uh, I hope that these podcasts are a blessing to you. Today's podcast is titled Heaven or Hell. We have a choice. Crazy as it seems, we are choosing between eternity with our Creator or without Him, heaven or hell. This is actually a complicated subject. Well, maybe not complicated, but a little bit technical. And I just want to go over the fundamentals. I don't want to get uh, too far into the weeds. Heaven is a paradise with God and His people for eternity. There's no end to life in God's presence. God was never born or created. He always was and always will be, and we will be in His presence forever in heaven. We are to know Him as a friend, as a father, as a provider, and enjoy Him. Hell is kind of the opposite of heaven. Eventually, people will end up in the lake of fire, a place that is similar to hell. But it is a place of those who reject God's goodness and His way of life. The Garden of Eden was God's perfect plan. It was a perfect place for us. Perfect weather, abundant fruit, easy work. Most of all God's presence was there. His love, His fellowship. But sin entered in. Sin is the rejection of God and His parameters. And it has created a mess for us today. In fact, in the Garden of Eden, we would have never died. Today, we have to anticipate death. John 12, 25 and 26, Jesus says, Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant will be also. My Father will honor those who serve me me. This world is a wicked place compared to heaven, compared to what God intended for us, and we are not to succumb to its influence. Serving Christ is the way to overcome these worldly wicked influences. Philippians 3.8, what is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ. This life can be summarized into one decision. And don't get me wrong, we have to live out that decision. But just like marriage, we only say I do one time. Then we are to stay the course, in thick and thin, in trouble, in hardship. The Christian life, is a narrow road. We say one time to Christ, and then we live it out the rest of our life. I was talking to one of my friends just the other day. She was telling me about all the trouble she was having with her job. She works in a very highly classified job. It's very technical, and she has all kinds of issues that she has to deal with. She was telling me all the problems and all the travel away from her family, etc. And then she told me, she looked at me in the eye and she says, I'm not sure it's worth it. She then compared other people's jobs 
and the same amount of money to what she was doing. And she said, you know, maybe I'm going to move. Maybe I'm going to do something different. This is similar to our life in Christ. We enter through a small gate. We walk a narrow path. Then we begin looking at our neighbor who's not a believer. They seem to prosper, have more stuff. They seem happy. But this is an age-old lie. Thousands of years ago, a psalmist wrote down these words, Psalm 72, For I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from the common human burdens. They are not plagued by human ills. And it goes on. He talks about how they become proud and violent and even popular. Next, he explains that it seems in vain that he is living a pure life, that he's walking down that narrow road. But then he goes into the house of God, and in the presence of God, he understands that the wicked will be destroyed in terror and that he will be saved. Small gate, narrow road, heaven or hell. Listen to how narrow the way of Christ is in Matthew 10, 37 through 39. It says, Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. The parallel in the Gospel of Luke tells us that we must take up our cross and follow Christ, otherwise we cannot even be a disciple. Taking up our cross means that we die to our desires. The sign of the cross is a sign of death. We are to die to our desires, our dreams, our hopes, our purposes. And we are to say no to the pleasures of sin and take up the desires of Christ, His purposes, His hopes, His work. In this verse, Jesus breaks it down to the foundation principles of life. Our closest flat family members cannot be more important than our relationship with Him. And as we walk with Him, we, are, we may even be betrayed or persecuted by our own family members, those closest to us. Just before Jesus sends out his disciples to preach the gospel, he tells them, brother will betray brother to death, and a father his children. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. You will be hated by everyone because of me, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. That's in Matthew ten twenty one. I just read this article uh, in the Christian Broadcasting Network news app. Uh, It was a Hindu man, Hindu family. The man, the husband, became a Christian. And it was time for the daughter to get married. And the mother and the daughter wanted uh, the daughter to be married in the Hindu fashion. This required the husband to bow down and to worship an idol. He said, I'm a Christian now. I'm not going to do that. Well, his wife, over a period of time, kept telling him, if you don't do this, I'm going to kill you. 
and his son joined in with the wife. So the wife and the son were going to kill him because of his faith in Christ and because he wouldn't bow down to that idol for the Hindu wedding. Long story short, uh, the guy came home one night, he ate dinner, laid down to rest, and died. The next morning, his wife burned his body, and now she is uh, being thought to have killed him. This is a close family member, a wife and a son. We can and should pray about, about most every decision that we make so that we can walk in God's ways. We need to know the Bible principles. We need to understand God's uh, life in Christ by reading the Bible, studying it. I know I say that a lot, but that's a very foundation of Christianity. God has commands and principles in the Bible, and we are to follow these even when it's difficult or unpopular. The Spirit of God was sent as a counselor to us, and He is speaking. The deal is, is that we have to tune in to his spiritual voice so that we can get that good counsel. Let me talk about hell now. We don't like talking about hell because, you know, it's a terrible place and we don't want to think that some people are going to go there. But Jesus talks about it and the Old Testament is really the foundation for where uh, the concept of hell comes from. In the Old Testament, the word is Sheol. It's used 66 times, and it is translated hell, especially in the older translations, English translations. In some of the modern translations, it's translated as the grave. And I don't think that's a very good translation. I think hell is a better translation. Sheol is well-defined in the Old Testament. Throughout many different authors and time frames, right through the Old Testament, Sheol is the same. Generally, it means a place and state of consciousness after death where the wicked receive punishment. They're silenced, and it's a very undesirable place for the wicked. Prior to Christ's uh, resurrection from the dead, there was a place in Sheol for those who were righteous, and we call that Abraham's bosom, and they were separated from the wicked uh, with a great chasm. Daniel, speaking of the end times in chapter 12, verse 2, says, Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. Two main words here, shame and contempt. In Sheol, or hell, you will bear the shame of refusing faith in God, and it will never end. Contempt, everlasting worthlessness, and deserving of scorn. In the New Testament, we have the word Hades and Guiana. They're translated with the word hell. Hell is where the wicked dead wait for final judgment. At the final judgment, if their name is not found written in the book of life, they will be cast into the lake of fire with Satan and all of his deceived followers. Hades comes from the Greek word 
to not be seen or hidden, referring to the wicked dead deep in the earth. Gana was a burning sewer, flesh, and trash heap outside of Jerusalem. It was used in uh, the Old Testament days to sacrifice children to the false god Molech. It stunk, it smoked continually, and there were maggots and worms there. I think you get the picture, a pretty undesirable place. An important side note here, I don't want to go too far down these rabbit trails. Jesus promised that the repentant thief being crucified next to him would enter into paradise that very day to be in God's presence. Therefore, after the resurrection of Christ, or after the crucifixion of Christ, those who die in Christ will go to be with him and will not enter hell. I want to read three scriptures from the New Testament that describe hell. Matthew thirteen forty one and 42. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into a blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The main thing I want to look at there is a blazing furnace. You can't imagine living in a fire. And there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The torment will be so that people will grind their teeth. Second Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. Matthew twenty-five forty-one. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. There are many more descriptions and verses, but I'm hoping that you get the right idea. Hell is a place deep in the earth for those who reject Christ. It is a hidden place where they are silenced. It's punishment and shame, a torturous consciousness outside of God's love and provision. It is a waiting place for the final judgment and all whose names are not written in the book of life, will end up in the lake of fire with Satan and all of his followers. Heaven is a paradise. No more tears, no more pain, no more suffering. God's very presence will be there. We will be fulfilled completely. We will walk in love and joy and peace. There will be beauty beyond our imagination. We will have a purpose That purpose will be to know God, to love His people. It'll be a wonderful place, no more death, eternal life. Now is the time. This is actually very serious business. Our whole life, this whole physical life that we're leading right now, is really depending on our decision and our lifestyle to live for God through Christ. We are to take this gift of salvation given to us. Now. Now is the time. I don't believe that there's salvation for anyone who actually enters into hell. 
before that final judgment, I don't believe that salvation is going to be available. Now is the time. Today is the day of salvation. I believe that we are in God's favor right now, especially in this time after the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ. His word, his gospel is out to the whole world, and we are living in a time of blessing that we can receive Christ. I remember a good friend of mine, uh, I was living in Japan at the time, and, and this young man was Japanese, and I had witnessed to him a couple of times. We had uh, gone skiing together and spent time together, and of course, we worked together. Uh, one day, we hadn't been talking about Christ for some time, and he came into my office, and he was very intent. He sat down in front of me, looked me in the eyes, kind of uh, reached out towards me, and his body language was very intense. He said, Dennis, you want me to be a Christian, don't you? And I was taken back. I didn't, I wasn't ready for this. I said, yes, of course, I want you to be a Christian. My mind was reeling. Lord, what do I say? What do I do? Then he told me, Dennis, if I become a Christian, my mother and my father, they will completely ignore me. My girlfriend will leave me. My friends will will no longer be with me, and you will leave from here, and I will be all alone. And that was it. That was it. He didn't say anything else. He got up and walked out. I was in shock, but I realized at that time that the words of Christ were, were true, that we are to love God more than anyone or anything. Very important if you haven't considered eternity and need for salvation, now is the time. Confess your sins to God. Tell him that you have missed him and his goodness. Take the gift of salvation through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Dedicate your life to God and to Christ, to be obedient to Christ's teaching. You will not be disappointed. This is the Clean Soul Podcast, and I'm Dennis Curtis. If you have questions or comments, feel free to reach out to me at thecleansoul.org.